We are officially in one of the most spicy times of the women's basketball calendar. It's WNBA free agency. But before the heart of free agency, which is the negotiation period, of course, and that begins in around eight days from now, I have M. Adler here to preview WNBA free agency through the lens of the WNBA's pecking order and how teams are looking to change or affirm their status. The Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast starts right now. Ogumbawale for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and welcome. You are locked onto women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts. I cover the New York Liberty here at The Next. I help with our social media strategy, and I've covered women's basketball nationally at places like Bleacher Report, Sports Illustrated, W Slam, and many more places. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by Everyone at the Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. If you subscribe to the Next, you can get 50% off our partner site, Equalizer, which covers women's soccer every day. And if you become a paid subscriber of the Next right now, you can get 23% off our usual price. Why 23% off, do you ask? It's in honor of the new year and our in-depth team-by-team WNBA free agency previews. Also, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to but faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. Okay, so during our last time together, Alex Simon of Bay Area News Group and I discussed our boldest predictions for the 2023 world of WBB. And our first segment was focused on WNBA free agency. But now, M and I are going all out on free agency 2023. So the first segment, we are actually, what I've done is I've divided up all 12 teams into three groups. And so group one is teams that want to retain their status quo. Group two is teams that are trying to move up in the pecking order and Group three are the the rebuilding slash building franchises. So let's begin with our first group. So what exactly do I mean by the teams that want to retain their status quo? Em, who am I talking about here? I mean, we're looking at teams that are coming off of 
you know, extended periods of title runs, the aces, they're the champions, they're the runner-up son, who've still got you know, most of their best players under contract. The Sky, we thought were the best team in the league last year. The Storm, Sue's retired, but otherwise you have two of the top five, seven players in the league are, you know, either with the team or their free agents, they're looking to retain them. Teams just want to maintain their, uh, their level of competition. Absolutely. And these these teams, as you said, in the Aces, the Sun, the Sky and the Storm, those were the top four seeds from uh, 2022's playoffs. And so I guess, so first of all, I mean, I didn't even give you a proper introduction, M. but if y'all don't know who M is, um, she does so much work um, for us and with us at the next. She's covered the the storm in depth. She's covered the league writ large. I mean, she's covered the the college game pretty holistically as well. And so I'm so, so happy to have you here. And so the first question I have for you about this group of teams, the, um, the folks that want to retain their status quo, is there anything certain for these groups or for this group of teams? I think in terms of what we're looking at here, there's a surprising amount of turnover, but there's also the aces. You know, the aces, they famously in the middle of last season were re-signing all of their uh, starters to long-term deals. They already had O'Connor Williams under contract for next year, uh, something that is actually important, but I'll touch on in a second. And they have a few rookies coming off of last season who were somewhere between promising and impactful. You know, I don't think anyone really expects all of them to return, but, you know, there is enough promise with Kirsten Bell's defense or um, early on repair shooting. The, the quiet thing for them is that to actually roster 11 players next season to make the, you know, minimum requirements for a WNBA roster – Someone must be traded. It's almost certainly Raquana Williams. She's unprotected and getting paid $150,000 this coming year. And they don't need another guard who can shoot off the bench, uh, as opposed to trading, you know, Tierra Hamby, who is, you know, a versatile four. We saw the issues that she's had when the shooting just takes a cold drop. There's not a lot else she can do to make up for it. But it, but she, she helps fill a role in the starting lineup that you can't get a lot of people to hit at the moment. And, you know, don't fix what ain't broken. They, again, need to basically literally trade with Quantum Williams. And once they do that, they pretty much have room to sign a couple six-figure deals to round out the bench. Make a, they don't have their many good draft picks this year, but, you know, make a couple league minimum signings and you're pretty much looking at the same team, if not a better one. What's really interesting about that, of course, is you could say, I mean, obviously looking at the salary cap, trading Raquana Williams makes a lot of sense. And also just looking at the roster, it makes a lot of sense. But also it was, it was Raquana Williams that was responsible for that game four win over Connecticut. Without Raquana Williams, I don't know if they, if that series would have ended at four games. Um, but I agree, of course, that for the Aces, things look very much are the most certain out of all of team all of the teams in this group, out of the top four seeds from the playoffs last season. 
because they found a way, as you said, to to sign that core. And the thing with Hamby is, I mean, I think it's hard to know um, how productive players are or, or what impacts them. I mean, we learned later that, that she was pregnant and she played through um, being a few months pregnant. And so we never know what that means. It was impressive regardless. Uh, but now when it comes to the other three, so the son who have undergone so many changes, then you have the sky and then you have the storm. What, which team out of those three, or maybe all three of them really, what type of very large questions, uh, are posed for those three as they try to sort of retain their status? I think I would separate them into slightly different buckets, um, just within the realm of, you know, teams that have questions. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to the sun, asking what what they have to do, what their biggest questions are is a little different. Because we can look at their roster and we can say, you know, what we've said for the past year and a half or so, past couple of years, that it's really hard to work around Dewana Butter's contract when you're also paying effectively three other max or super max contracts. We've basically seen this in the past two playoffs. It's effectively the main reason why they haven't been able to keep going other than outside of, you know, just literal roster construction and the, the variety of skill sets and the difficulty of math problems they're working with. I, but it certainly seems like, you know, Stephanie White's in there now. Uh, they have a new GM and so, with uh, Darius Taylor. So it's not quite, you know, the same faces running it. And they could be prioritizing different things. Stephanie White talked about adding shooting, which, you know, most coaches tend to say we want to play faster and want to shoot more. But it is an indication, at least, that there's some consideration over changing the specific construction that they've been working with in the past. And based on different rumblings, different reports. We've seen the report from yesterday that Connecticut was one of the teams interested in trading for Alicia Gray to work her within within the cap. They, even beyond Brianna Jones being a free agent, they literally have to trade away one of JT, AT, JJ, or Bonner to be able to trade for her. There's probably something afoot there. And I think we'll see what direction they go in, but they could run it back and be like a low ceiling, high floor, three, four seed, or they could really shift the landscape here. I'm not sure. That's that's a brilliant point, um, especially amid the report that we saw from Christina Williams uh, just a couple of days ago. But I think that, and I keep going back to this whenever we mention the Connecticut Sun, the fact that it was Alyssa Thomas, that she was the one that new head coach Stephanie White spoke about right off the bat. And the fact that she compared her to Tamika Catchings, which was the Fever's main linchpin, that tells you something. That tells you something mm-hmm. about how the new front office views Jonquil Jones. What also tells you something is that when former head coach and GM, Kurt Miller, who's now with the LA Sparks, when he was asked about his player development acumen, he brought up, and he was actually asked about John Quill Jones, Brianna Jones, and Alyssa Thomas in a question. And he only spoke 
about Bree Jones and Jonquil Jones. He said nothing about Alyssa Thomas. The way I read that is he understands that Alyssa Thomas isn't going anywhere. So do the Sparks have a chance to either trade for Jonquil Jones or land Brianna Jones in free agency? It's possible. So that's your read on sort of where the sun are. So is there a different sort of circumstance that you see that the sky and the storm are in? Yeah, I think they're in, this is, they're in a paradigm that I think people who are fans, listeners who are in the men's NBA space are going to be familiar with. They're both in that space where you're trying to retool around a star player on their second contract who may or may not have the opportunity to walk in coming in coming years. It's a tricky spot. You've been contending and you need to retool because you have one of the best players in the league and they're in their prime. And it's hard to say which way is the best way to go about it. If you're Seattle, can you get Courtney Vandersloot to replace Sue Bird? Can you re-sign Brianna Stewart? If not, can you get someone like Azrae Stevens? Can you re-sign, or not re-sign, can you sign other front court players like uh, Mia Coffey or Demir Stantus might help close those gaps? Can you add wings to complement Jewel Lloyd and make the team as good as it can be while she's still in her prime? Or do you kind of take a step back for a year, save your money, and try to hit a good draft pick in this coming year. It's a very similar thing with Chicago with Kalia Copper, but you know they are starting from a place where you have an even greater level of impactful defender, but you need more offensive creation. You know, there are examples, you have the Golden State Warriors are a team who have done this retool successfully, where Clay was Clay Thompson was hurt for a couple of years. Draymond Green was Draymond Green isn't the level of impactful player he is when, you know, the shooters aren't there around him. And they had Steph Curry go out for like half the season and they were able to do a little retooling, got some draft picks and got some development time in for players like Jordan Poole. The Phoenix Mercury have done this during Diana Taurasi's career, transitioning from Dewana Bonner and Candace Dupree. Uh, Griner was, was already there, doesn't fight him, but you know, they got her into that system as well. Um, and you know, bringing Skylar Diggins-Smith to have this level of contention they've had lately. On the other hand, you could end up like the Liberty during uh, the uh, post-Lambeer era with Tina Charles, where she's going to ask out because you don't know how to make, because when you try to retool, the downside is the bottom can fall out completely. Tina Charles asked out of there with, uh, with the LA Sparks under Derek Fisher. Chelsea Gray wanted out. Candace Parker wanted out. With, uh, I think the most infamous example recently would be the Anthony Davis Pelicans in the men's NBA they tried so hard to retool that they burned any prospects and assets they had to build up over a couple of years. It's a really fine line to walk. And if you and you have the highest upside, but also the biggest downside of trying to truly retool over a couple of years. That's that's all that's incredibly fascinating. I mean, the, the first thought that came to my mind was, I mean, I don't know if I see. Clea Copper at the same level as Jewel Lloyd. I mean, I would put Jewel Lloyd a little bit higher. That's just me when it comes yeah, I would to uh, the player we're talking about and when you're thinking of who you're building your franchise around. But I, I see the, the parallel 
And I think what I think about when it comes to both Seattle and Chicago is I think about what both of those franchises can provide free agents and how Seattle, they are building or they have built a new practice and training facility, which is apparently has a lot of space and it's and it's really nice in conjunction with Wintrust Arena where they have their own personalized locker room and Chicago they don't really have much of a selling point besides the players that were on roster i mean if we think about the reason why Candace Parker went to the sky it was because she knew who she was going to play with and because she was able to be closer to home. I don't know how much Chicago has to offer besides the people that free agents might be playing with. They, the Sky have struggled with putting together more of a player-friendly infrastructure when it comes to where they practice, when it comes to the Wintrust facilities. I mean, it's a nice arena, but it's not personalized at all. It's personalized to DePaul. So you sort of see there's a difference in the level of investment that the diff- that those two franchises have shown. So that's something I'm going to be looking at going forward. Um, but... Before we move on to our second group of teams, I do want to discuss LinkedIn with all of y'all. So as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. I get notifications each day with jobs that match my skills that I have listed on my LinkedIn profile. Hiring and job searches can feel very overwhelming and are for both sides of it but LinkedIn Jobs helps ease some of that anxiety. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. Especially in the beginning of the new year, adding the right team member can help hiring managers reach for and achieve their new year's resolutions. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to, but faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. 
let's get back to our show, to our program. So for our second group of teams, this is the group that is trying to move up in the WNBA pecking order. So M, who am I referring to here? I think we're looking at probably the Lynx, the Wings. I'd include the Liberty in this group too. Maybe the Mystics. Yes. And so a little, what's a little, a little bit of podcast synergy right there. <laughs> and so this isn't as straightforward as maybe the first group was because it was the first, it was the top four seeds of the 2022 playoffs. But here you have the Mystics, they were the fifth seed, the Wings that were the sixth, the Liberty were the seventh. And then you have the Lynx that didn't make the playoffs, but I put them in this group for a reason, and I will explain why. So Cheryl Reeve has been incredibly clear on her podcast, The Cheryl Reeve Show, uh, during this offseason, and even during her pressers when she was promoted to president of basketball operation. She has made very clear what the vision that she wants for the Lynx in the post-Sylvia Fowles era. And so it seems to me as though Reeve and her newly appointed general manager, Claire Duellius, are more motivated to make better calculated decisions and to put the team in it, the best position it can be to return to the postseason. Now, it was really interesting listening to the latest Cheryl Reeve show where Jim Suhan, the host of the show, co-host, asked Reeve to reflect on some of those free agency decisions that she made a year ago when she signed Lasia Clarendon, when she took a chance on signing Angel McCautry. And it was fascinating to hear her talk about, I don't think it was... I don't think she expressed regret, but I think it was more, she knows now that the types of decisions that she made came with a lot of risk. And those are assessments that she's going to have to pay even more closely to in 2023. So Em, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the links and sort of where they stand and where you think they can go when it comes to what they want to achieve within free agency. I think they're an attractive destination when it comes to facilities, when it comes to staffing, when it comes to, you know, community support, all those things. I think the big thing really is they just need to pull off some miracle trades to be able to open up space for more than one big addition. You know, they, they have the space right now to sign Bree Jones if they want to. You know, the obvious signing everyone's essentially been rocking since the summer. Um, and if they do that, they basically need to sign a bunch of other minimum level contracts to round out the roster as is. You know, they have to they just have to get rid of like not even not even find someone who's interested. They just have to dump uh, the AP and Natalie Chandler contracts. You know, they were really bad contracts when they were signed. They look even worse now because just in the rush of money that was spent those summers. And I mean, they're, they're really pulling down the roster. Like there is there is a glut of free agents in the mid-level who you can spend nice money on to really run out of bench. They don't, have, they don't have the money for that, let alone upgrading 
the current roster as is, but they currently don't have a point guard under contract. And they're really interested in Courtney Vandersloot, but if they miss on Vandersloot, then the next best free agent is Mariah Jefferson. And Cheryl Reed did not appear to show much appreciation for more for Mariah Jefferson during this past season. After that, they had Erica Wheeler as an option. Things really, things really slide slide for them quick if they can't make a lot of like high level moves here. Oof. Oof. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, and again, what's tricky about Achanwa is she's pregnant. And so most likely she's going to miss a lot of the 2023 season, I'm assuming. And I guess, I mean, remind, I think she's protected, correct? So if they were to just... <laughs> Somehow... So she would get the money on her contract if they just, or she would get the money rather. I'm just confused as the well. thing. The thing about the the thing about the pregnancy protection under the cap is that you can suspend someone and open a roster spot for them being pregnant, but because of how wacky and uh, counterproductive the CBA currently is towards a lot of competitive aims, you don't get the money back. Like, as soon as they suspend her for pregnancy to open up that roster spot, they are down basically 160 towards the cap. That's basically the cost of a, a Mariah Jefferson, probably, and plus. I mean, I don't see how you can trade that, you know? I, you got a tacky draft pick or something. I mean, it just, it's, and also, she just hasn't really shown much in the past two years in Minnesota. I mean, it is just, whoa. And that was a contract that was <laughs> right when the new CBA was instituted. And, and listen, almost all of the GMs in the league have a contract that they probably, I don't want to use the word regret, but I think they maybe would, looking back, would like to be structured a bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, so now let's talk about the the others in this group, Mystics, the Wings, and the Liberty. What, how do you sort of see those three teams trying to accomplish their goals, which they've, they've made it clear, you know, they want to be contending, they want to move up in the WNBA pecking order, and they want to make deep playoff runs. And who knows? Land in a WNBA championship or championship. I think this is about as disparate as a group as we could put together in terms of how you get to a title run. For the Liberty, you know, you're pretty much preying on Stewie to sign there in the offseason, which, hey, who knows how likely that is? That's my teaser. Who if she doesn't sign with them, then you know, you've explored this in many, many words. It's but it's essentially see if there's any other real star players on the market, which there are, to be clear, and see what it takes to get them. Because you, like Minnesota, they've kind of got themselves into near cap hell. But unlike Minnesota, they have ways to get around it, and they at least have a decent roster as constructed where there are different options for how to get out of it and who to put together to get to dump some of these contracts. You know, they're full on that, but they have enough assets that you have a reasonably decent roster once you get someone in there. The flip side for them is if Stewie comes, then, you know, it's just about who are we getting out of here to get some 
to get like another point guard, another wing in here to complement that. And it's kind of that simple. I'm not sure that that would be a title favorite, but that is easily how you get back to a title caliber of team. To me with the Mystics, I would frankly have them in our first section, teams just going the status quo. They returned the best, they returned the third best player in the league and they returned five of their six top players from last season. And the only one they're losing, they might resign. And she was the least impactful of all of their starters last year in Alicia Clark. You've got a, you've got really a hell of a hell of a uh, unit to start off with here, and they have enough cap space given that there's reasonable deals all these players are under for the most part. You have enough cap space to add some impactful bench players and really round this thing out. The wings, you know, how the wings are actively trying to improve. They've been getting exponentially more expensive the past couple of years. They've only really added Tara McCowan and Veronica Burton, and they're losing Alicia Gray and Izzy Harrison. That's not a trade I would make. The Dallas player with the highest potential on their roster is Awak Kawir, who they took a year and a half to get a consistent role to. They're about to pay McCowan a lot of money, and all evidence points to her being essentially defensively unplayable in crunch time in the playoffs. And their only truly great two-way player is Alicia Gray, and she wants out. They've got that space. No one's interested in taking it. I don't know what they're doing. So the thing that blows my mind about the wings is that they've taken this idea of to build a successful franchise, you need to develop that core and that core needs chemistry and it needs time. And that's sort of what they've been selling. Because as we remember in, when was it, M? Was it 2018 when there was, or no, 2019, the, or the mass exodus where Cambage left the wings and then Skylar Diggins-Smith, she was pregnant. So she sat out for that whole season. And then in 2020, she went to Phoenix and clearly was dissatisfied with the resources that Dallas was putting in to their players. Mm -hmm. So um, I've said multiple times that the key to contending is you have a mix of young talent and veteran leadership that has done this before. That is how a lot of successful teams have gotten far in the playoffs and have gotten, mm -hmm. you know, into the championship. And mm -hmm. so I am just concerned when we were talking about the storm in the sky earlier, when it, when we were discussing what those teams have to offer to free agents for years, I've been asking the same about the wings. I mean, I guess the only thing <laughs> that <laughs> that has changed is that their new head coach is Latricia Trammell. She is someone who is very well respected around the league. And there are free agents that have played for her before and that have really reveled in her defensive system. The thing about McCowan also, M, is I, and I think it was Sabrina Merchant who touched on this for The Athletic. I'm not sure how McCowan fits into the types of defenses that LT usually plays with. Um, we saw how Liz Cambage struggled under that for half a season. 
So I think when it comes to the wings, I'm just, I just don't know without attracting veteran leadership and veterans that are proven winners, how they take that next jump. That's my question there. They've been throwing a lot of darts at the wall and seeing what sticks and not a lot is stuck and they still don't, and they still haven't had any strategy for how to arrange those darts. Correct. And then I think, and you noted with the Liberty, you can see my preview piece on the nexthoops.com where I explained the different contingency plans that the Liberty have if they were to attract Brianna Stewart, if they're not to. Um, I think something worth mentioning is yes, there is other five-star talent that is available around this league. Some of them are not free agents. Um, I've talked about how Jonquil Jones is someone who it looks like Connecticut may be willing to trade. So, and, and I agree with how you put it in that the Liberty have resources. They have, not only do they have these young players to trade, but they have these unsigned draft picks that they can package in trades as well. They have Marine Fateau who tore it up um, against, I believe, in EuroLeague yesterday. They have Niara Sabali. They have, who are their, um, Raquel Carrera, who has done- They've never six overall pick this year. Yes, they do. And then there's Sika Kone as well. So there is a lot yeah, I of- don't think I don't think they have a lot of assets that they want to trade that are worth like a whole lot, but it's enough that it's not hard to see them basically burning the cupboard to open the to open the cash. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then with the Mystics, I mean, I see your argument about they could have been in group one, but the reason I put them in group two is it just seemed to me that both Mike and Eric Tebow thought that the group um, underachieved last year. And and they were they were really disappointed with how they did. And they they see the holes that were in their 2022 roster and that they did not have enough offensive guards that could create their own shot, or at least that's how I saw it. Yeah, I mean, they're playing Natasha Cloud at point guard, and they're playing Ariel Atkins at the two guard. You're not getting any shot creation from your starting backward. That's just not how it's going to work. You're going to want a shot creator at the three, but you can run enough around Elena Deladon to where it's not a huge concern. I mean, they lost to the Storm, and they didn't lose by the biggest of margins. They didn't, you know, it wasn't like an overtime thing, but like they didn't lose by the biggest of margins. You know, if they just don't draw the storm in a, in a best of three series to start off the playoffs, we could just, we could be talking about this incredibly differently. I think it's, I think that just colors the conversation for them. That's a good point. I mean, if, if the mystics beat the storm in that first series, I mean, I don't know. The Mystics were the only team that could defend the Aces. I, I don't, I'm trying to think. The Mystics beat the Aces multiple times in, in 2022 because you had in Atkins, Cloud, and Clark three guards that could keep up with the three-headed monster in Vegas. So a very good point. A very good point point. 
Now, before we talk about our third group of teams, I want to remind you all about our friends at Bet Online. Um, I believe that sports betting is crucial for the growth of women's sports, including women's basketball, of course. And betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there, including what the line is for tonight's Pac-12 battle between Haley Jones and Cameron Brink's number two, Stanford Cardinal, and Charisma Osborne and Kiki Rice's number eight, UCLA Bruins. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you can find those as well on Bet Online. also. Head to the website to use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. So our last group of teams is the building slash rebuilding group. Um, so who do we have here, Em? We are looking here at, of course, the Dream, the Fever, and if I remember correctly, the Mercury, and, and the Sparks. There we go. The LA Sparks. So what I find really fascinating about this group is that these are the teams that should have been in the lottery, but only half of them are because of the subsequent trades that occurred in last year's free agency. Uh, the Mystics are in the lottery. They got that pick in a trade with the Sparks. And the Mercury, well, the Mercury got into the playoffs, but they were, they, they were, they barely made it into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and they unceremoniously very quickly exit the playoffs. That is correct. So what, I guess, when we're talking about these teams, how would we assess what we imagine them doing during free agency? Well, I mean, starting off with who we were just talking about when it comes to uh, the Phoenix Mercury, you know, they're, we can argue whether or not they should uh, be rebuilding, and I think that's an interesting one, but I think we both know they're not going to. You know, as long as you have Diana Taurasi on the roster, and as long as you have her helping direct things, you are going to be trying to contend. You know, this is why they burned through every first round pick that they've had in recent years and traded away a lot of good players before they were actually good and lost a lot of trades along the way to in service of this, you know. The bulk of their roster is coming back, less Skyler Diggins-Smith. You know, even if she had asked for a trade, she's pregnant. And I think she's expecting around midseason. They've got BJ back. I certainly have zero expectations for what they're going to get out of her. they got the cap space to make themselves into a contender. You know, add a stretch forward or two, add a 3 and D wing, add a healthy point guard. But there's also the possibility they keep trying to run out two-center lineups, neutering what was so good about the BT lineups last year, and they keep trying to play Diamond to Shields like a kind of player she's just never been. Yeah, I mean... To put it lightly. To, to put it lightly. And obviously, there were issues in, in that locker room. I mean, we, we talk about 
do the Mercury trade Skylar Diggins-Smith. I mean, as our Howard Magdal reported, I believe it was this past summer, the Mercury were shopping her around. Um, I think there was even a possibility that the Sparks were looking to trade for. Um, But because the nature of the salary cap, there usually aren't a lot of trades during the trade deadline during the WNBA season. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's fascinating here is I guess I just wonder, I wonder when the Mercury are going to realize that it's time to rebuild. And I think you said it quite well. If Diana Taurasi is still playing, she's going to want to win. And But I think about the amount of, what word am I looking for? The amount of turbulence that the franchise is about to endure. So It's a good word for it. So I'm someone who has been covering a team that went through an ownership change in 2019. And so while... Um, the Liberty were sold to Joe Sai and Clara Wusai. There was a lot of mess that continued to happen in that year, um, that first year with new ownership. Um, the Liberty were still playing at the Westchester County Center, and there was a head coach in place that did not have the locker room and did not know how to work with younger players, potentially something similar could be happening in Phoenix. You, sure, the the Suns and the Mercury, it reportedly have been purchased away from Robert Sarver, but that doesn't mean that things just, you know, move on and are without bumps in the road. Uh, I, I think it was quite something when it came to the question of did Vanessa Nygaard have the locker room or did she not? Um, This franchise, I, although it is such a blessing and it is a wonderful thing that Brittany Griner is back in the United States and that she intends on playing, um, there, she may have an intent to, that's the way in which, she will be using her platform. Um, As you said, there are absolutely no expectations for how she's going to play. Um, There are just so many questions for this team. There are so many questions. And I just don't think that because BG is home, because the franchise has, I think, successfully or will successfully be sold, I don't think the turbulence ends. So the Mercury, I would consider them to be sort of the outlier of this group. I think before we we got on Air M, I I said to you, I said, you know, the Mercury could sort of fit in any of these three groups because there's just, Mm -hmm. there's so much unknown. There's so much dysfunction. But let's talk about the other three. And so... The Sparks are seemingly trying to get their ducks in a row, but I I was there during the press conference, and it seems like there are some mixed messages here. What is your read on LA? 
I mean, you know, like a lot of teams in the league, like essentially 11 teams in the league, 10 teams in the league, they are trying to compete right now and contend right now. I don't know that that's necessarily a wise decision, but they have the room for it. And like, unlike other teams who already have players under contract that may push them in one direction or another, they're, they're wide open. They've got all the cap space in the world. The only big contract on their books, quote unquote big, she's at 155K. We're talking about Katie Lou Samuelson, and she's she's a decent player, and she's a, it's a pretty reasonable deal when we're comparing it to like the quality of play at the money you get for Natalia Chanwa or Ariel Powers, that sort of thing. You know, they could build a really solid four seed here by, again, adding some spacing, adding some pick and roll capabilities that allow you to give Kennedy Carter more minutes to do her unbelievably talented thing and mask her unbelievably glaring deficiencies. Or they could try to run it back from last year and bring back Bitney Sykes and bring back Shania Kumake, bring back oh, everyone and let Lexi Brown walk. And they could just, again, just have the worst spacing team in the league and one, frankly, it's one of the most boring teams in the league to watch outside of NECA and just, again, spiral down towards the number four seed. They have potential to go in whatever direction they really want to here other than adding a draft pick for very funny reasons. Um, and I think that it's, you know, we're going to see what how much of Kurt's coaching ability is influenced by his GM ability and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I asked Kurt, I asked him what changes for him now that he doesn't have the GMing hat and that someone else is the person who was pushing the levers. And he, it seemed very clear to me that Kurt will still be very involved in the roster decisions, but I think this time around, and I think this is what he stressed, he gets to build. He gets to build from pretty much the ground up and be in a position where the some of those uh, deals that maybe should have, could have been restructured aren't in his way anymore. So we spoke about the Dewana Bonner contract. But, I mean, it just reaffirms that in the WNBA, there should not be spots in the front office where one person is doing two very different jobs. But what's interesting about the Sparks is that Kurt Miller made it clear and Karen Bryant made it clear that they want to build the right way, which is always a front office colloquialism that I've been trying to understand. That's a phrase that's... <laughs> It's a phrase that's been used by the Sparks most recently. It was used by Atlanta in 2022. And it worked. It has worked beautifully for Atlanta, who we will talk about momentarily. And also... What's your favorite, what's your favorite press, con press conference hireism? Is it, do we want to build the right way or we want to, we want to play with more pace? Oh, my God. So I really like the we want to build the right <laughs> way. I think that's my favorite one. Because the thing is, I always say, well, it's what even the less meaningful. Hmm? It's even less meaningful. I guess because it's like, well, what what are we talking about here? Like when you say pace and space, we know sort of what that means. Mm -hmm. um, so and yes, of course, the New York Liberty used that same phrasing in 2019 mm -hmm. when Jonathan Kolb spoke about 
building the franchise the right way. So from all of those situations, I've interpreted, interpreted that to mean that teams, these teams are not going to cut corners and just sign veterans to sign veterans. The one example of a franchise not doing it the right way that is now doing it the right way is the Indiana Fever in how under Tamika Catchings, they went out and signed all of these like mid-level talented veterans and <laughs> alongside- they, they were mid, I'll give them that alongside some really young players and that that's sort of what I call doing it the wrong way but now Lynn Dunn is leaning into the rebuild so I think doing it the right way means leaning into the rebuild and doing it the wrong way means trying to cut corners and so the reason I'm confused by the Sparks is because they seem very well aware of the different free agents that are out there that Candace Parker might want to come back to LA. So she doesn't have to be away from her children and her wife. Um, Bree Jones has a long connection to Kurt Miller, John Quell Jones. They could try to trade for her. So I guess what I'm saying here is I think there are mixed messages because clearly Kurt is saying we're going to build we want to build this franchise back the right way, but then they can also cut corners or there's the potential to. Yeah. And then you have the Indiana Fever and the Atlanta Dream who have, I would say, have been doing these rebuilds, quote unquote, the right way, whatever in the world that means. Um, Atlanta, they really tore the whole thing down. And in one year, they were knocking on the door of the playoffs. And Indiana, it seems to me, was very dedicated to um, seeing what they have and tearing the whole thing down, which is exactly what Lynn Dunn has done. And she's installed a head coach that she believes in. So I'm curious, Em, when it comes to these two teams that have been in the lottery for years upon years, what should they look to do in, in free agency? I mean, I think we're looking at them. I think Indiana's probably basically where Atlanta was last year. And Atlanta's right now, Atlanta's at that spot where you're on the upswing, you're you shouldn't hopefully should not be content with the amount of talent that's currently on the roster but they're still missing that they're still missing and right now to get there but even if she does you want to pair her with another top 15 10 player to really make that push you're missing backcourt creation to some extent you obviously need a center to go along here and you know their draft pick i'm interested to see what they do with it i'm interested to see how they approach uh the free agency market but i think in terms of where they are, this is an important spot where you don't want to rush it. That's what the Liberty did. They sort of pulled the plug in the hybrid rebuild and paid for the, a lot of players who were sort of near the top of their free agent market. As a result, you ended up with sort of a stillborn roster. It's not that bad, but it's not, they're not in a good spot as they could have been because you need to reap the benefits of having players who are developing and cheaply and vets who you can 
you know, take advantage of not needing to overpay for talent right now. You know, if you're Indiana and you have a lot of cap space, you also want to develop a lot of promising young players. It's an interesting tightrope to walk. It wouldn't surprise me if Indiana, we don't see this in, in basketball a lot, but if they did something similar to what the San Diego Padres did in baseball a few years back, where right before all their prospects hit, hit the major leagues, they signed Manny Machado for a huge contract. It would not surprise me if they tried to go if they tried to go big game hunting and came back with someone in you know that 160 180 range i i don't given the way the roster is constructed i'm i'm not thinking it would be someone like azrae stevens but someone of that caliber would not surprise me well i think now there's a little bit more of a there's something more that lindon can sell uh they have i believe the the new arena that was refurbished and I guess renovated. They have a new locker room as well. Uh, They've been talking about how the facilities for the Indiana fever have been upgraded tremendously. And also there's Christy sides who is someone who has built relationships across this league for years. She's been in Chicago. She's, she was with Indiana. She was with Atlanta. A lot of people in this league know who Christy Sides is, and they she's sort of that type of coach where you want to play for her. Like that is that's who Tanisha Wright is as well. And so it, it will be really interesting to see what both GMs and Dan Padover and Lynn Dunn do, because I think there's a little bit more that both franchises can can offer to free agents this time around. I mean, you had Tina Charles at one point saying that Tanisha Wright is one of the most influential people um, in her life. I don't know what happens there, but something could happen. (laughs) So, M, we've done it. We've made it through all of the teams in this league in less than an hour in such little time as well (laughs) it is it is wonderful i mean we did not go into some of the knitting gritty uh numbers with the cap and and talking about well where could skylar dickens smith end up could she end up in indiana could she end up in chicago probably not but i don't know maybe But thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And join us tomorrow where Hunter Cruz, Joshua Welch, and M. Adler will, will be back for our Saturday WNBA draft theme show. M, what is the show for tomorrow? The show for tomorrow is still a surprise to everyone in the face of the planet, including me, Hunter, and Josh. Wonderful. Now, make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, this has been Jackie Powell and M. Adler. We have enjoyed our time with you on this Friday, and we wish you a very nice weekend. 
Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 